What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force right now, especially with the NFL playoffs beginning this week. And that means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for nearly three decades, thriving and paying you, the loyal customer. What's great about BetUS is they have loads of bonuses. So join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on UFC matches, the NBA, and more. So follow my lead, get your phone online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com today with our code CHICAGO125. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. The search is officially on as the Chicago Bears are conducting their search for the team's next general manager and head coach. And in today's show, we're going to discuss the candidates that have us the most intrigued and who we believe the Bears would most benefit from hiring. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I hope that you're ready for a deep dive as we're all set to kind of break down and discuss both general manager and head coach candidates. So here with me today are both my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And guys, uh, you know, we're just about to begin a new era of Chicago Bears football. Uh, There are a lot of unknowns right now at this time, but I think that just means there's so much potential as well of what's, what's to come. You know, it's hard not to, I don't know, just be kind of jazzed, excited uh, at a time like this. Uh, Am I right? No, absolutely, Will. I mean, after that George McCaskey press conference, when you hear all the the names and candidates, I think every Bears fan should be excited at this point in time because we don't know what that ultimate decision is going to be. So might as well be excited right now. (laughs) I'm feeling it. Uh, You know, it's been a weird whirlwind of a week. You know, you and I, Nick, we broke down immediately the news of when Ryan Pace and uh, Matt Nagy were fired on Monday. We were feeling pretty good and like, hey, they made the tough decision. Let's move forward. And then George McCaskey had to go and pretty much, you know, embarrass the franchise for an hour uh, with, I'll call it an interesting uh, press conference, just to be kind here. Uh, but since that, and we've talked about that a little bit before we went live, uh, it feels like uh, there actually is a good sense of direction that can yield some pretty interesting and serious results for the Bears. You know, both the general manager and head coach candidates, those lists look pretty promising. Emotions have been up and down uh, for us Bears fans this week, but really, as it stands today, uh, I just want to know, Mason, what's your overall just vibe? How do you feel about the searches that this team is conducting? I'm actually pretty positive. Like uh, Nick and, and you both just talked about, right away during that press conference, it was like, oh, right, well, this is the same story, different day. But 
really, you know, actions speak louder than words. And we saw immediately afterwards, it was like the floodgates opened of all these different candidates, whether you're talking about head coach or GM. And that's actually pretty fantastic when you look at some of those names, because they were some of the, the names that in the past, I don't know that the Bears would have necessarily looked at. And the other part of it that isn't getting talked about enough is actually this little committee that they're putting together. Right. So you can think what you want about Bill Polian, but I mean, he's still a very bright football mind, you know, and I'd be concerned if that was just it. If it was like, all right, Bill Polian, pick our pick our person. But they're bringing in other people. Uh, you have Tanisha Wade and Lamar Soup Campbell. And I think that's really important because uh, Lamar Soup Campbell, as he's known, is his his room is literally between I believe it's the cafeteria and the locker room. And he always constantly has players in there. So basically, he just has the vibe of the team. And having someone like that that has that pulse is going to be really important because he's going to be able to represent the team in that way. And then you have Tanisha Wade, who is you know, the vice president of equity, diversity, etc. And that's just another point of view that the Bears really have never had when they've been looking for a head coach or GM. So it isn't just, you know a bunch of stuffy old dudes sitting in a room picking their friends, you're going to have these other perspectives. So it's a much fresher take than what I really thought the Bears would have done. And you think it's more than just, you know, saving some face here. You believe that, you know, this committee uh, is going to be heard loud and clear. I think it's one of those, you hear pretty consistently that George McCaskey and not just him, but also Virginia McCaskey are really on the forefront of, trying to renovate some of this stuff, especially when it comes to diversity and minorities and things of that nature. So this is pretty much par for the course for them. And so I don't think it's just, you know, a token, you know, handout here that it's really going to be something that they're going to take into like heavy consideration. And I don't know that you would necessarily throw it out there as, as heavily as George did, if you were just going to have it kind of be a flippant thing. All right. Uh, I like it, Mason. Nick, I want to go over to you. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about you know, every single candidate uh, throughout this episode. Uh, there are some that you know, aren't going to make our top cut. But overall, how do you feel about the search that the Bears have done in a matter of, what, three and a half days now? Well, I think the Bears have really cast a wide net. And, you know, maybe initially what we thought of Bill Polian, I, initially what George McCaskey was saying, it just sounded like this guy had a lot of a lot of say, a lot of power into what the Bears would ultimately be doing. George McCaskey will make the ultimate decision, but I think it's because of him and who he knows around the league is why we have the list and the candidates that we do at both the GM position, but also head coach. So I like what the Bears have done because you have some guys that have obviously been with the organizations for a long time. Then you have some guys that are kind of up and coming who have gone to different organizations and kind of built their way up. Through, through drafts, through free agency. So I think you get, like I said initially, a wide net of candidates. And I so far, so good. I think that's why Bears fans should feel optimistic. Just with the names itself, the decision will be another, obviously, thing that we'll have to get to once we get there. But I think the Bears, for the most part, starting off this offseason, trying to fill these two vacant positions, head coach and GM, are doing a good job at it. And we'll, again, we're just about to get to it. Nick, one final question for you. And we kind of hit on it a little bit Monday, uh, but they are conducting these searches simultaneously. Uh, I think the consensus from all three of us would be we hope that they hire a GM first uh, and then move over to a head coach instead of deciding on who's going to run this team and find a GM that's willing to kind of partner with that coach. That may be a little bit more of a tougher route to go. And ideally, at least my perspective would be after going through these interviews with head coaches starting this week and early next week as well, maybe 
maybe it's like, uh, you know, a head start a bit. Like, okay, we've kind of done our interviews. Here are the short list of guys that we liked and why. Who do you want to bring in for that second round? I, I think that's going to be the approach here. Uh, Nick, is that kind of where your headspace is as well? I think so. I think with these Zoom interviews that these Bears are most likely conducting to just get to know these coaches, it is to kind of weed out, hey, we, we like these guys. We, we've already seen, like, with, maybe within the hour or two that they get to talk to these coaches. Maybe they're not just right for us, but I think that's what it is, just to get a feel for these people, right? There's there's a lot of names out there and also more more teams in the NFL that are looking for the same exact positions to be filled. So I think it's good that the Bears are doing this, but I do agree with you. It would be nice to get a GM first so that they can also be a part of these head coaching interviews to see, hey, do does this candidate click with not just George McCaskey and that panel that Mason was talking about, but ultimately the GM that's going to be there and working collaboratively with the new head coach. There's that word, collaboration. It's still around. I'm not a fan of like an arranged marriage here, uh, kind of like what Ryan Pace had to do with John Fox, like kind of forcing the head coach on the GM. Uh, it's not the best way to kind of go about it. Uh, so I'm glad that we're all kind of here on the same page. I just want to dive into these candidates because, uh, you know, this could be a longer episode. There are 20 men uh, that we need to discuss here today between both open positions. Uh, again, this is a number, uh, you know, guys for all of us to kind of look into, research uh, throughout the week, especially because the list keeps growing seemingly by the days and hours. So what we did is kind of divvy up the workload a little bit. Uh, I tasked both Nick and Mason with one open position. Uh, they're kind of like my search committee here today. So they're going to research the candidates. And then in this episode, they're going to report to me uh, who's on their short list and why, uh, as well as kind of trying to sell me on their top candidate. Uh, Nick, you were given general manager and Mason, you've been digging into, you know, uh, possible head coaches. Uh, and again, I'm going to act as owner here and I'm very excited to see how you sell me on who the bears should be hiring. And I believe this is going to be a very fun approach to this episode. Uh, so you guys ready? Let's do it. You. Yep. All right. So uh, let's begin with GM because we just said that's what we want or who we want the Bears to hire on first. So if they're going to fill this position, we may as well look at uh, these candidates. And as it stands right now, the Bears have requested to interview 11 people for a uh, general manager. We have Morocco Brown, the Colts director of college scouting. Uh, how would you pronounce the guy from the Browns VP of football ops? I did not find a pronunciation in the guide, but Nick, I know you do. I got it. It's Quasi Adolfo Mensa is how you pronounce uh, Brown's vice president of football operations. Excellent. Thank you. I'll go on to an easier name of Glenn Cook, uh, the Browns VP of player personnel. I have Ed Dodds, the Colts VP of player personnel. Jeff Ireland, the assistant GM and college scouting director of the Saints. Uh, Rick Smith, the former general manager of the Texans. Elliot Wolf, the Patriots director of scouting. Joe Sean, the Bills assistant GM. Omar Khan, the Steelers VP of football business admin. Uh, Rand Carthon, uh, the 49ers director of player personnel. And Champ Kelly, the Bears assistant director of player personnel. So that's everyone who's currently, I'm going to say it, on the table uh, for this position as of right now. Nick, before we get into your top guys, who did not make the cut? Let's start eliminating some names here. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm going to go with the guy that's in-house with the Bears and Champ Kelly. That's a guy that did interview today, right, um, with the Bears and just somebody that I think you had to do it, right? This is a guy that actually had gotten some interviews um not only last year with, I believe it was the Panthers and the Giants, but also in 2019 with the Jets. And he came in in 2015 with Ryan Pace. But I think that's a guy that, for me, like we were saying early before we went live, 
I think you just need to get an outside perspective, in my opinion. And Champ Kelly, even though, you know, he has been getting some interviews, which is great for him, and hopefully he's able to find something in the future, I just don't think it's right for the Bears at this point in time. Yep, that's exactly, you know, my sentiments before we went live. Like, I just want a fresh perspective, someone that's not been in this building to shake it up a little bit, bring in some new life. And, you know, Champ, it seems like a great guy uh, from everything you know about him as well and someone who knows and has, you know, the general, as Mason would say, vibe in the locker room. But unfortunately, I, again, I would prefer an outsider to come in to recalibrate uh, this franchise. So if Champ's off your list, who else is? Yeah, so these were these were tough here. Now, um, Champ was like the first one off, but Rand Carthon from the 49ers, as of right now, um, the 49ers director of pro personnel. He's 40 years old, so a little bit on the younger side, but first year as a director of personnel in his role, he manages the pro scouting department for the 49ers and evaluating players uh, among the professional leagues. Also continues to do his duties as an advanced scout. Basically, those are guys that go to, let's say the 49ers are playing... The, the Jets one week, the next week they're playing the Giants. He would go to the Giants game that week. Again, scout what's kind of going on in terms of what do they do on third down personnel. So he does those duties as well, which is definitely very valuable. Um, was a former uh, Colts running back, began his personnel career with the Atlanta Falcons, and spent five, uh, five seasons as the Rams director of player personnel. But he joined the 49ers in 2017, and you see that roster and what they were able to kind of do and what they've able to sustain. But – as of right now, he wouldn't be in my top candidates, but somebody that obviously is going to get looked at elsewhere. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to make this round of the GM cycle. To me, when I looked into him, he's someone that's up and coming, uh, well-respected, but maybe he's just uh, you know a few years away, needing to build on that resume just a little bit. So uh, understood. Uh, he's off the list. Uh, continue. Yeah, next guy that didn't quite make my list right now is Elliot Wolf, who is the Patriots senior consultant slash director of scouting, 39 years old, a little bit earlier, right, than uh, the previous candidate they were just talking about. But, you know, his dad is a name that people should remember, Ron Wolf, um, who retired in 2001. And, like, if you're a part of Ron Wolf's, I guess, family tree, here's where it kind of goes. Um, he His professional tree includes... Packers GM um, Gutekunst, who hired Ted Thompson, who drafted Aaron Rodgers. John Schneider, the current uh, uh, Seahawks GM, who drafted Russell Wilson. I just mentioned Gutekunst, who hired Matt LaFleur. John Dorsey, the former Chiefs um, GM, who drafted Patrick Mahomes. Like, There's a long lineage of really good, um, one, GMs and things that those GMs have done. And now this is obviously his son, and... Um, he was actually beat out Elliot Wolf by Brian Kudekunst to get that Packers GM job. So we were talking again right before we went live here. I'm sure Elliot Wolf would love, you know, to if he were to get this GM job with the Bears to just really give it to the Packers, knowing that he applied for that job, right? But as of right now, it, he's just not on my my top candidates. Um, he also did serve 2018-19 season for the Browns as the assistant. GM under John Dorsey and that was a team you know in 2017 went 0-16 right and then you kind of get um you know the the players that they get Baker and things like and however you want to view it but he did help get the Browns to be what they are as of today and they did miss the playoffs obviously but just didn't make my cut to, uh this time all right uh Mason do you have any questions for Nick so far throughout his list um did you factor in 
a Rancarthit's beer because I don't think you use that heavily <laughs> enough in this decision. I, you know, I didn't really mention it, but you know, I, I definitely could have. That may have put him up in my list for next time. But Mason, I, I'll definitely keep that into consideration and put that in the notes for next time. All right, okay, good. As long as you do that. So yeah, Ryan Pace is here. Now we're looking at beards uh, for qualification standards uh, when it comes to GM. Uh, oh boy. All right, Nick, uh, anyone else you want to cross off the list before we kind of get to your top guys? Okay, so this guy didn't make my top three, but this is going to be where the comments go crazy. But Omar Khan, Steelers Vice President Whoa. of Football and Business Administration, 44 years old, highly regarded as one of the just a football just he's regarded as one of the better pro uh personnel scouts in in the league and he's in his 21st season with the Steelers like and has worked under current GM uh Kevin Colbert the entire time yeah obviously is one it, you put the graphic will what maybe was it a couple days ago about Tulane mm-hmm. uh, he's a graduate from Tulane and you go Darnell Moody go Matt Forte if you want to make that connection um New Orleans native, entered the league with the Saints while actually with Mike Dicka and Jim Hazlitt, that era. But he interviewed with the Panthers, Texans, and Jaguars in 2021. So people are already looking into him. And I, I completely understand it. But just for me, he just missed out on, on my top three. So you'll have to, I guess, we'll, we'll obviously get to that. But I still, if the Bears were to get him, I like, I'm, I'm happy with that. But he just didn't make my personal top three. And I know that's going to be controversial in the end here but it's that, controversial right now i mean what? this is what? this is a guy he's never had a losing season two super bowl victories three super bowl appearances uh you know, strong uh drafts uh, someone is well renowned for cat management which we know is something in this town we need uh, looking at the current situation that we've been dealing with for the past few years and i also think he could be someone that can help justin fields he seems to have an eye for wide receivers uh heinz ward uh, Antonio Brown, you know, back in his heyday, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Man, and then the Steelers' way of that hard, tough-nosed defensive style too. Uh, is there a reason why he didn't make the cut, or is it just other candidates standing out a, a little bit more in your eyes? I don't know. If, so I don't want to say that the other candidates just stand out. They just did something. Well, not the, so he did start off with the Saints, like I said, but he's been with that Steelers organization for 21 years. And so these other candidates that I'm going to mention, um, they they did something that, you know, he hasn't done in a while. And that's kind of go to a different organization and try to fix what's kind of broken in a sense. And so that's so that's kind of what I was looking for in terms of candidates. Like, can they go from already an ideal situation and go to an organization that's not quite there yet, but retool it to make it a competitive one. And not that, you know, Khan has obviously had sustainability, like the Steelers. Like, <laughs> Mike Tomlin doesn't have a losing season ever, right? So sustainability, which is something the Bears have lacked, lacked, obviously, and they've been inconsistent. That would be the best word to describe the Bears. But I just kind of have these other three candidates in higher regards because of what they kind of accomplished. I think I can appreciate your approach uh, and your perspective here of, with Khan having it maybe easier uh, than some of the other candidates here. And when you're in one building for a couple of decades, uh, I do think you're going to have you know, one way of thinking about doing things. And it may not exactly apply here to the Chicago Bears if he does come over. Uh, and as well, it, it is important, uh, as you'll mention with some of your other guys, I'm assuming, to go to somewhere and be able to make them better. We don't know if Khan's made the Steelers 
better per se, or is he able to at least kind of keep that train rolling? So I do, as much as that surprised me uh, off the top, I appreciate uh, and kind of understand your mindset here. And look, like I said, if the Bears say, hey, we have hired, you know, Khan to be our, our GM, I think a lot of Bears fans would be happy about that, including me. But, you know, well, obviously I'll get to my three that I that I have uh, regarded higher than him. But still, I think it would be a good move for the Chicago Bears. How many do we have left? Five total? Man, this list keeps on growing. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else got added to the list. I got Omar Khan, Elliot Wolf. we talked about. Uh, Glenn Cook. I don't think I mentioned Glenn Cook yet. He didn't make my uh, my top three list. Um, again, done, did some really good things. Uh, was also an advanced scout, like I was talking about um, earlier. But, you know, just didn't quite make my list of the top three. Who else is on here as I scroll through this really, really quickly? Um, Morocco Brown. Uh, spoiler alert, did not make my top three. He was, and I told you, Will and Mason, before we went live, he was actually in my top three earlier today and then i subbed him out for somebody well, so yeah. he did not make it um quasi adolfo mensa did not make it and i know we were pronouncing his name earlier champ kelly and then jeff ireland is the last one that did not make it so if you can do process of elimination people you can kind of get the three that i have um as my top guys yeah, so you kind of rolled through, you know, uh, Ireland, uh, Adolfo Mensa, uh, Morocco Brown. Any surface level kind of insight you wanted to share about, you know, just this group as a whole or any individuals that kind of you want to set your record straight before we get to your top three? Well, I wonder if Jeff Ireland, I wonder if this is a guy like George McCaskey sees, like, I think he was asked a couple of questions, you know, being in that press conference, like if there's an affiliation with the Bears, does that make you a stronger candidate? And I know George McCaskey kind of said, hey, we're looking at everybody. It doesn't matter their background. But I just, for some reason, have a feeling like, hey, Jeff Ireland, he was a, you know, a ball boy. And obviously um, his his dad was a longtime uh, scout for the Chicago Bears, um, Jim Parmer. Um, I just wonder if that holds weight with George McCaskey and and I, I would think this would be a, a job Jeff um, Ireland would definitely want obviously being affiliated with the organization way back when when he was a kid um, but yeah just for me just not not my cup of tea I guess what uh, took Quessy off the list for you see and with Quessy uh, similar to kind of with um, Glenn Cook Obviously, both coming from the Browns organization, and as I kind of scroll down my, my Quessy notes, wherever wherever you're at here. Um, yeah, and he also worked with the 49ers, so obviously did some good things in 2013 when he uh, had been there for seven seasons. Um, but I, again, there's the what the other three guys have kind of done, more so my top two have done, is that they went to organizations and kind of really put them in contention to compete. And not that the Browns aren't there. They, they were. But they're they're kind of have a, they're a quarterback away, obviously. But I just like the the other candidates better. So that's the thing too, you guys. It's like it's not that hey, it's not what they've done or like it, it's just I just prefer these guys a little bit more than them. But I think Quessy, like he's a guy that his name is just coming up too. Like you were mentioning earlier, Will, like this first wave of GMs that maybe get hired this cycle. I think he's a guy in like the next cycle that will eventually get a job. 
The only thing that would worry me about him specifically, and I loved almost everything uh, that I learned about the guy. I liked the unorthodox background, uh, his ability to kind of rise through the 49ers organization, leapfrog over here to the Browns and kind of follow up and do some really good things. Uh, And I like that he's a big collaborator, super, super smart. But I don't know if he's a football guy. Like, at the end of the day, like, can he be the one to evaluate? Because he mentions that he likes to gain everyone's input, digest all that information, and then his biggest strength is to make the best decision for the organization as a whole, which is great on the surface. But if he's not the guy that, I don't know, can evaluate football at the same time, that maybe it's easy to get persuaded by perhaps uh, someone has a strong opinion, and it may not be the right opinion. That's the only hesitation I would have over there. It's funny you say that, Will, because I like that. Because when you look at a lot of real uh, GMs that have done well, they're not coming from scouting departments. They're coming from nowadays, maybe some of the analytics, but also more historically like dealing with the cap and stuff like that. And it seems like, and you know, it's not a way to measure why that is specifically, but it seems like, and I would think, because you are, you know, football in general, like you care about football. I mean, but maybe you're not the football guy. So you, the people you bring in around you, you know, maybe your assistant GM, you know, your director of, uh, you know, pro personnel, all those, you're really going to lean on and get a lot of information from them instead of just doing everything yourself. And as we know, in Bears history, there may or may not have been a GM that went a little rogue when drafting a quarterback and didn't tell anybody about it. And if he had gotten some input, maybe from some of his other scouts, that quarterback may not have been drafted. So that's like something that I actually did like out of Questy that he has that analytics background and maybe and would really construct a good front office. And that reminds me of a story on Morocco Brown, Nick, who you had brought up where, you know, he was pounding the table for uh, the current right tackle for the Colts and saying like, no, he can be, he can be a tackle. He can be a tackle. But, you know, Ballard, who is kind of the one that got away for, for Bears fans uh, was talking about like, no, he's a guard. But he spoke up, Ballard listened, they drafted him, and now he just signed the four million or sorry, four year extension and is a great starting right tackle because Morocco Brown saw something even though he was, you know, an undersized short arm tackle. So having that collaboration, even though it's kind of a dirty word now in Chicago, is actually still really important. At least that's from my point of view. No, all really well heard, I, and I appreciate you pushing back a bit uh, as well uh, on my guy. Uh, and again, he was up there for me. And then he, I don't yeah. know if he still is in my top three uh, per se, but you know, Nick, that's why I tasked Nick with this. Uh, he had a little bit more time than me this week to dive in, and I was just really curious to his perspective. So by process of elimination, Nick, your three are Ed Dodds, Rick Smith, and Doshan. That is correct. And I guess I'll just start with the, the number three guy that I have there, which is mm-hmm. Rick Smith. Um, a guy that, you know, had some playing background, played at Purdue. If Brandon was still here, he'd appreciate that. Won two Super Bowls as a assistant coach under Mike Shanahan with, in Denver. Then really transitioned into that personnel um, kind of category with the Broncos and Texans. And, you know, during his 12 seasons as a GM, 2006-2017, you know, they went, went 92 and 100. Yes, a losing record. Uh, but improve from a, a league worse, eighteen and forty-six, and you get you add names like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Brown, who's a two thousand eight first round draft pick, the right tackle there, but um, hasn't obviously worked in the league. Leaving four years ago when his wife, who was battling cancer, who did unfortunately pass um, on January thirty first, twenty nineteen, you know, so he's been out of the league for a little bit, but he did get interviewed by the Lions, Jaguars, the Falcons in twenty twenty one. 
But see, that's a guy that was able to turn a franchise and turn a franchise around by getting the the players that it needed to. You see some of the leaders that he was able to bring in. JJ Watt was a name that I didn't, you know, add in there, and I don't know how I didn't, but like there were some guys that you look to, like those are building blocks, right? Um, and then even in like 2019, right? So the 2019 Texans that uh, obviously um, Rick Smith not a part of had, like I said, been removed from football for a little bit. The five captains that were in that playoff game against the Chiefs were Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt. Jonathan Joseph, Nick Martin, and uh, Bernardrick McKinney all were all acquired by Smith. So you see the guys that are representing the Texans in you know a huge game, and we they were up what twenty was it twenty four zero whatever it was in the first half, and Chiefs did what they did and came back and won. But that is something that I like, and obviously him still getting interviews, being removed, and him going through everything that he did, losing his wife and his kids like there's a great story by dan pompey in the athletic called my heart is open now former texas gm rick smith's grief has reshaped his life his kids are so supportive of him they wrote a letter on his desk basically stating that i want you to do something that you like to do his daughter avery said even though he likes taking care of the kids um she's quoted as saying there's something else he can do that makes him happy and he said he doesn't want to go back to just being a personnel guy he wants to run the team and I like that. And he's learned so much since his trials and tribulations, losing his wife, and just has gained this new perspective on life that I think that would be a nice new addition to have to a front office. Some Somebody like Rick Smith, who has been through what he's been through, but man, he was he was doing a good job in, in Houston when he was there. So that's my number three candidate and, you know, a, a great qualities for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Um, Again, he, what, a winning record uh, nine times in the 12 years there, uh, but I know the losing seasons were pretty severely uh, one-sided, which makes that final record a little skewed, uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, they made the playoffs four times in his final seven years, and this is the Texans uh, that we're talking about. So for him to turn that around, I think, uh, shows uh, what he's made of, and I know he went through all that adversity, uh, but additionally, you know, getting to do something twice, I always think you're better, you know, the second time, if you have yeah. that second opportunity, uh, and with some time away, a fresh perspective, and just learning from all the mistakes that he must have made in 12 years, you know, he was learning, obviously, there on the fly, but having time to reflect, and wanting to get back into it, I can see him being a very very strong candidate for uh, the Bears here. I'm surprised he wasn't in your top two, um, but that's what we do this podcast for. Uh, so going from Rick Smith, who is number two on your list? So number two, I have Joe Shane, the Bills assistant general manager, 42 years old. He joined the Bills in 2017. And the Bills in 2016 were a 7-9 and nine team, finished third in the division. And he was actually not a part of the 2017 draft. Uh, Shane, so his first pick in the Bills organization being a part of it was Josh Allen. So, and here was a cool little anecdote that I was listening to from a podcast called All In with Art uh, Stapleton. Peter Schrager was a guest on that podcast, and he said the Bills would have taken Josh Allen first overall. He was number one on their board. That was above Sam Darnold, above Baker Mayfield, who both went ahead of Josh Allen, and Josh Allen was picked at number seven. But they had him right there as the number one pick on on their entire board, and that kind of just shows you the evaluator that they got that they are. And clearly, Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So you can get that position right. I kind of like where you're heading as not all not 
not as only as like an a, a evaluator, but also as an organization. Um, so he got that right. And obviously he was with before the, the Bills, he was actually with the Miami Dolphins um, nine seasons there. And some of the draft picks, you look at some of the draft picks that were acquired there. You have uh, Ryan Tannehill, Jarvis Landry, Jake Long, um, Olivier Vernon, Xavier Howard. So guys that are still doing really good things for you know, either the Dolphins or have moved on to other teams now. But I like that a lot. He also helped a lot with their cap situation um, for, for the Bills. So you get something like that with the Bears, who I think have only – is it they they only have 26 players signed or they ha- they, they don't have they, – they have a number of people that they have to sign for next season, so there's going to be cap issues. So you have Joe Shane, who does have a familiarity with trying to fix that part of it, and that's obviously going to be a plus for um, the Chicago Bears. But you also just look at their recent draft picks, right? Um, you had Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham in this 2021 draft, Ed Oliver, Devin Singletary in the 2019 draft. Uh, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to AJ Epinesa, Iowa, uh, in the 2019 draft being in the first round. But um, what I also like about him, and here's a quote that was um, in a story from The Athletic. Uh, it says, instead of just rushing um, to, to the sea and then trying to figure it out, Joe's that guy that he wants to have all the answers to the tests before he goes and sits down. Very few people are like that. There's so many people in this business that are just trying to get into that head coach seat, that GM seat, and maybe they're not ready for it. I have no doubt he's going to be ready for it. He's a great communicator. He understands people. You're not going to outwork him. And so that just stuck out to me as somebody that, again, went to this Bills organization has flipped it around. They are a contender now. They have the quarterback. They have the defense. They have a really strong team. And, you know, he, Joe Shane's a big part of that. Okay. Uh, by the way, guys, you know, if I ever mispronounce a name, as I mentioned, call me out. I said, I think Sean twice. And I even have my notes, Shane, like in my little comment section of my Google Doc. Like, I feel like an ass. Like, next time, call me out immediately. All right. You know, that, that his last name, how it's spelled, like that's going to be mispronounced. Like if he were to get hired by the Bears, like that's going to get mispronounced. Oh, constantly. Brutally, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had to, I think I saw someone else pronounce it and then someone wrote on Twitter. I'm like, let me put this in my notes because I'll That's what I did. It. Yeah, I, I, that's, I put it there. It was hidden underneath uh, our overlays on our screen. Uh, for some reason, it was right over the comment. And then he said it. I'm like, oh, crap. So, yes, next time just call me out. You know, we don't, with some players, we let it slide. But with guys like this, especially candidates, like, I want to make sure I'm saying it right at least uh, as well. So, Joe Shane is number two, uh, which leads uh, the one and only, uh, you know, Mr. Ed uh, on top. Nick? Yeah, Ed Dodds, Indianapolis Colts assistant GM. He's 41 years old, won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks, fifth season with the Colts. Colts began in 2017. Has known Chris Ballard for over 20 years. Um, he actually coached with uh, Chris Ballard at Texas A&M Kingsville and got his start un- in personnel under Al Davis with the Raiders. So um, he did also did interview with the Panthers and Lions for the GM job in 2021. But here's why I like Ed Dodds the most out of any of these candidates at this point in time. And as I continue to do research and see these guys' draft classes, maybe that'll change, but... As of right now, Ed Dodds is the guy for me. And there was a story from The Athletic by Zach Kiefer who wrote, um, this was happening right after the 2018 playoffs. Um, the Patriots were on their way to another Super Bowl, 
and the Colts are just coming off a their wild card game in 2018. Ed's dads told his scouts in a bar in Mobile, Alabama, which will be happening the Senior Bowl in a couple weeks now, uh, we ain't done blank yet. The Colts assistant general manager told them, we won a effing wild card game. Um, and the one thing that he was also mentioning in this article, if there's one thing that scares the hell out of Ed Dodds, it's complacency. And that's exactly what the Bears have. They've been, you know, for the last, what, decade, complacency, right? Whether it's with the just facing the Packers every year or where they end up finishing up, it's complacency. And I love that about him. Um, so another thing, he also was a key part, and I'll get into individual players, like Kenny Moore was an undrafted free agent. The Patriots had had him in training camp. And, you know, they, they waived him. The culture was one of the guys, uh, the team, to actually pick him up. A Division two school out of Valdosta State. Um, claimed off the waivers. Patriots corner, 5'9". What's a 5'9 slot corner going to do? Um, he's going to the Pro Bowl this season. Four interceptions, 13 passes defended. Able to identify that talent. Um, in 2018, they acquired a defensive end, uh, Danico Autry. Um, he, from 2018 to 2020, while he was with the Colts, 20 sacks and for the first four years in Oakland at the time had 10 and a half. So seeing that you're able to find somebody that's going to be able to work at your team, love that about him. And look, the bears are going to have to get some free agents. So he's a guy that can key in and identify talent there. Um, and then just his overall thoughts, like being in this business, as long as he has, he, he knows that his day as a gm is coming and he basically said you're you're gonna get one chance to do this and i don't want to do it until i'm over prepared a lot like joe shane right knowing all the answers to the test same thing you see here in ed dodds um but the one thing that i really like and this is kind of what i was hinting at earlier he was in seattle a good good kind of situation to be in Pete carroll you you have russell wilson you're in a good situation you're at a team that was competing at the time but he was weighing at Dodds whether to stay with Seattle or go to the Colts. And he knew uh, this is kind of his assessment of the Colts at the time. And it was very true. The Colts, uh, the defense was old. The quarterback, Andrew Luck at the time was hurt. The depth of the overall team was very thin. It, the Colts were just an overall mess. But this is what kept Ed Dodds like thinking about it. He recalled what Pete Carroll had said to players every single day. Always compete. Always compete always compete and his fiance and now wife also said hey you're gonna be pissed off every day if you don't do this so he called john schneider the seahawks gm then he called pete carroll a few days later and basically said if i don't go i'm not competing i'm taking the easy way out and that right there you guys kind of sold me on why ed dodds would be the perfect guy because the bears position although i think it is seen as um, one where GMs would do want to come to because I think there are some there's obviously some pieces on the defense. There's Justin Fields, a young talent, but there's still work to be done. And obviously the the business isn't finished here in Indianapolis for Ed Dodds. Look, they didn't make the playoffs. So I bet you that's eating away at him. But this is another challenge. And how he is wired, it just tells me, can I go to Chicago and make this work? And just seeing how he can see of just evaluating players, just his mindset, I think this would be a great hire for the Chicago Bears. And then also just being able to just maybe change the culture, 
get that complacency out of here. But as of right now, Ed Dodds is my top candidate. Make a really strong case there. I know his time in Indianapolis, uh, look what he's been able to do with that offensive line. Uh, that would be Justin Fields' best friend if we can find a way to emulate that here uh, in Chicago. And I think Ryan Pace, uh, admittedly, like that was one of his areas that he struggled with. Uh, you look at all the missed draft picks, uh, waiting until the sixth or seventh round to even really invest in it, like Teo Fabaluje, Latchavius Simmons, Arlington Ambright. Those guys aren't going to develop to be top-tier starters in this league. So having a guy who understands the importance of the offensive line and who can retool it, uh, does intrigue me. And then you mentioned his time in Seattle. Uh, I think he was a national scout there, and he had his hand uh, drafting guys like Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, mm -hmm. uh, Bobby Wagner. So he also has an eye for the defense and can find valuable, like, incredibly talented defenders too. So I think that multifaceted uh, you know, ability to be able to kind of cater to both sides of the ball would benefit this team. Uh, so my question for you, Nick, when it just comes to Ed Dodd, since he is uh, your guy, why would you expect him to succeed here in Chicago as the GM? I think it's kind of what I said earlier about this being another challenge and seeing how to approach it. I think what Ed Dodds would do is see where the deficiencies realistically on this team. You can look at the offensive line. You can look at nickel cornerback and knowing that those are areas that need to be addressed. And that's where I think Ed Dodds can excel to make this team not just one that – I don't look, I wouldn't say the Bears are in a rebuild phase. Like there are other teams that are, have it way worse. But can we fill these, these positions with players that can keep us afloat but it can also be – can help us just become better as an overall team – I think Ed Dodds can do that. The only thing that I feel like they haven't been able to do quite quite right there in Indianapolis is really replace Andrew Luck, right? You try to go get – yes, you got Phillip Rivers for the one one season, but then you go out and you gave the trade for Carson Wentz. You draft Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger. So that's the one position. And, hey, maybe they don't have to look at that because the Bears already have Justin Fields, but – that's that's the one thing where, hey, the Colts, they haven't gone right. I think Chris Ballard actually even mentioned today, um, like, yeah, at the time, like that was the move. But, I mean, obviously they're going to uh, reassess that, that position and that um, whole situation later. But that's the one thing that, hey, it, like with all these candidates probably have these negatives to it. But that's the one that I think just comes out. Um, strikingly for for Ed Dodds and just that Colts, even Morocco, Brand, Morocco Brown is a part of that as well, right? But yeah, I just think he has an eye for finding the deficiencies on a team, addressing them. Yeah, they addressed the offensive line a little late for the Colts, right? Because Andrew Luck uh, obviously isn't in the league anymore from all the hits he had taken, but um, I think that's why he would be a really good fit for the Bears. All right. Uh, Mason, any other questions for Nick uh, on his GM list or specifically here, Ed Dodds, as his top guy? No, I think uh, Nick answered all the stuff about Ed Dodds pretty well. I mean, the only thing I'd add on, on Ed is if you are interested in him as a GM candidate, go watch the uh, series the Colts have with the next pick. There's a couple different seasons of it. It's definitely focused on, like, Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, but you get to really see – the kind of person that Ed Dodds is, like behind the scenes. And I think that's something that Nick alluded to at the beginning. And that's the kind of personality that would mesh pretty well with, you know, a, a blue collar uh, city like Chicago. 
All right, so up next, we're going to go over to Mason, and he's going to share his report of all nine uh, head coach candidates uh, that the Bears have requested to interview so far. But before we do, if it's okay with Nick, could you share a message to our listeners from our friends over at Owen? Absolutely. So Owen, which stands for only what you need, as you guys know, the Chicago Audible and Owen have partnered up, and you can get 20% off your first purchase at Live owen.com with the code tca20 so go check out all the great products they have from protein shakes if you're into the powders then you can put it into your shakes they have all that too but just remember go to liveowen.com and use the code tca20 to save 20 percent off your first purchase but also go check out the awesome contest that owen has going on right now um owen is giving you an opportunity to win an autographed justin fields jersey and cleats one grand prize winner will get all of that Two second uh, prize winners will get a signed official football, and four third prize winners will get an autographed jersey. Amazing prizes. Definitely want to get in on it, but this is how you can do it. Just go to liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And all you got to do, you type in your first name and your email, and you are entered to win i don't know how many times you could do that or if you could tell all your friends go do it to increase your chances of winning all those great prizes tell your tell your tell your grandma tell your tell your sister your brother whoever has an email i actually have to help my mom sometimes with her email but uh go enter in you'll get some great prizes and then also check out the you're going to be on owen's website so check out all the great products and use the code tca20 and that will help us out here at the chicago audible but Good luck, everybody, and definitely go check out Owen, only what you need. Awesome stuff there, Nick. It's time to take a step forward slash, uh, as Nick would say, with that link, and take a look at these head coach candidates. Uh, So I'll list them just like I did with the general manager, so that way everyone knows uh, who that list is or who's on that list. And then Mason can start kind of taking an ax and chopping away at it uh, as swiftly or as thoroughly uh, as he pleases. So uh, we have Leslie Frazier, uh, the Bills defensive coordinator and former Chicago Bear. Doug Peterson, uh, the ex-Eagles head coach. Uh, Brian DeBull. Huh? Yes, no? Dable. Damn. Dable. <laughs> Dable. Uh, Bill's offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, Green Bay's offensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, the Bucks defensive coordinator, uh, Byron Leftwich, uh, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator since 2019. Uh, give me the Colts defensive coordinator's last name, Matt Eberflus. Uh, Eberflus. 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 Fancy. You know, I live in Indianapolis market. Like, I should have heard that on the news somewhere, you think. But, nope. Uh, Brian Flores, uh, the ex-Dolphins head coach, recently let go by Miami. And last, Dan Quinn, uh, the former Falcons head coach and current Cowboys defensive coordinator. Mason, uh, I gave you the assignment. Uh, You know what you needed to do. Out of these nine, who's first off in the chopping block? So I, I kind of split this into three categories. My meh, I would be distraught and maybe no longer a Bears fan if they get hired. My getting there, like, you know, if they got hired, I, would, I wouldn't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Kind of will see what happens. And then my top three. Uh, so into that first category, the very, very first person off the list is Leslie Frazier, current Bills defensive coordinator. Currently... He has the number one defense in the NFL, both in yards and points allowed, which is fantastic. But 
when you look back in the you know annals of history, it's just not great when it comes to him as a coordinator and then as even as a head coach. I mean, he is a former Bears cornerback in that '85 team, so that feels like half the reason that he's getting the nod here. Uh, and then he was a defense coordinator for the Bengals from '03 to '04. Uh, Vikings defense coordinator from 07 to 10, then got elevated to head coach from 2011 to 13. Didn't have great years there, so ended up as the Bucks coordinator from 14 to 15, and now with the Bills. And th- the thing that's a little, that's frustrating with, with Leslie Frazier is when you look at the, a lot of times where he was the defense coordinator, he just didn't rank very high at all. I mean, he was mid, if not like at the bottom of the rankings. So if that's your specialty be better <laughs> be the way I would really look at it and of course you can just look at your head coach as being a leader of, of people and hope that you know your coordinators then fill those gaps but is that when you're restarting like the Bears are restarting do you really want to go with that so I, it, it would just be such a, a a whisper of a hire at this point so he's he's off my list right away uh, second individual off my list is Doug Peterson former Eagles head coach you know, won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia, has a four and two record in the playoffs, which is which is pretty solid. And he got some good performances out of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, who you know Bears fans know and don't love. The problem is, it that that Super Bowl run, if it was very magical in nature, it it clearly wasn't sustainable as they couldn't continue that. Um, you know, Carson Wentz had some great seasons before he had his litany of injuries, you know, back injuries and all everything of that nature. But there just seemed to be this that Nick Foles magic going on that year, you know, obviously. And then we know where Nick Foles had that touchdown catch against the Patriots. That was something that Foles decided to do. You could flip the coin and say that, well, Doug Peterson allowed him to have the leeway and trust his player to do something of that. But we've been down this road. I mean, doesn't Doug Peterson just seem like Matt Nagy 2.0, like takes the mask off and it was actually Nagy the whole time. I mean, they both come from the Andy Reid tree. Right. Uh, Doug Peterson was literally there. We're not really sure if it was actually consulting or not, but he was there this summer. You know, he hung out at Bears training camp checking out, you know, his his former uh, team, his Eagle mates in Matt Nagy. It's, we've done this before. It didn't go well. Even in his last year, there was this contention that was going on because they were saying that Doug Peterson wanted Jalen Hurts to start, right? The Eagles wanted their golden boy and Carson Wentz to start. And then that was one of the reasons that he was ultimately let go was that was that headbutting. And you you don't really need that right now. You want more kumbaya. You want certainty. Don't need a retread that little we just left on the side of the road. Okay, so yeah, you, you've done a good job of, you know, deterring me both from Doug Peterson and Leslie Frazier, two guys that I was not – uh, super high on myself so I'm glad he didn't have to try to like really try to sell them to me because that would have been a very difficult if not almost impossible job to do uh, both just like you said very underwhelming uh, in their own rights and I think each have some red flags so you mentioned Frazier's defenses in Minnesota like they were consistently ranked in the 20s why you're a defensive guy I know offensively they had uh, no quarterbacks to work with, uh, Christian Ponder, Matt Castle. Like, that didn't help him out either all too much. Um, but still, uh, I don't think his time in Minnesota was well-received. And from I remember correctly, I really like going up against Leslie Frazier coach football teams. So uh, as using that as my perspective, uh, I'm okay with both these off the list. Uh, who's that next one on your last tier? 
Last one uh, in that meh tier is uh, Dan Quinn, current you know Cowboys defensive coordinator. Uh, won a Super Bowl in Seattle as a coordinator, and almost won another one as a head coach in Atlanta. That you know magical twenty-eight to three debacle that was going on there, and uh, he's pretty rapidly turned around that Cowboys defense, which was ranked twenty-eighth at one point, the seventh in the league. The problem there is once they lost in that Super Bowl, it was really downhill from there. You had a you know top five at the time, one could argue quarterback in Matt Ryan. You had a Julio Jones on that offense, right? I mean, you just had a lot to work with there, and there was no sustainability there whatsoever. And, you know, you'll see kind of as we're getting further in this list, it's hard for me to, unless I'm really, really into that coach in particular, go with a defensive person as my head coach, because you do potentially fall into that problem of, let's say you have a good coordinator, especially with how things are going currently in the NFL, they get moved, you know, considered for head coaching jobs, and you're always trying to refill that position, and is that a problem? So I just don't even want to deal with that headache unless I love the coach, and I just don't love Dan Quinn whatsoever. It's just a very uh, middle-of-the-road hire for that respect, especially for a retread. Mm -hmm. I I get that. I mean, when you go back and you think of a Jay Cutler, how many offensive coordinators did he burn through? If you want to go back even further, the Rex Grossman and Kyle Wharton days, very similar uh, story as well. Seemed like every year someone else was running that offense, and that's not how you develop guys. That would be atrocious uh, for Justin Fields' development if he had to kind of go through two more coordinators here over the next couple of years or anything along those lines. And, you know, Dan Quinn uh, is one that, you know, their offense even wasn't that good. And just like Leslie Frazier, if you look at the Falcons defensively, they weren't doing so hot. And again, if you're a defensive-minded coach and your defenses are ranking consistently in the bottom half, what are you doing? Uh, so it's kind of like Nagy and his offense, right? It's frustrating. Uh, so that's kind of okay by me to move on from Quinn. Uh, let's move into that I, I don't love it, I don't hate it tier. So the first one now that's in this tier that I would you know knock off that list is just a, a barely a step above uh, Quinn and Todd Bowles, uh, currently a Buccaneers defensive coordinator. They're kind of the similar to me. I mean, they're they're not all that different. Uh, that defensive coach, same same thing where we saw that that offensive problem would pop up. He is better though. He's more consistently put defenses together. I mean what was uh, they're crushing it in terms of rushing yards allowed and the bears were one of the first teams to actually be able to run the ball on them uh when when they played them which which was odd you know he was obviously the architect of the buck super bowl victory last season and that defense was a huge part of that he's had head coaching experience before with the jets uh just like some of these other coaches we've talked about so there is that leadership quality to it and he's got a lot of experience you know 20 years in the nfl which includes previously serving as the new york jets head coach from 15 18. the thing that's hard about that is did he suffer there because of his abilities or is it because there's just a stank on the Jets as a year in and year out? So you have to kind of separate that. But, you know, trying to have to now put this offense together, which is really the biggest problem, or I would say the biggest priority for the Bears right now is getting that offense running. That the question becomes, who's your offensive coordinator? And that's just such a big hire. I don't even know if I want to deal with that. All right. So I'm learning a trend here. You don't like head coaches that are now defensive coordinators and that kind of floundered uh, their first opportunity uh, at the position Uh, at least that's kind of how it feels there it just creates a a small problem but if you're someone that i love i will put that off to the side but you know you gotta wow me and uh bowls ain't wowing all right uh who's next 
Next in the list is Nathaniel Hackett. Packers offensive coordinator was with the Bills, Jaguars, and Packers. He did the almost unthinkable and got 4,000 yards and 35 touchdown passes out of Blake Bortles in 2015 and got to the AFC Championship in 2017. Like, that's pretty big. Uh, and now he's got Aaron Rodgers on the cusp of back-to-back MVP awards. And from what we can tell, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not the easiest to work with, and it seems like he is meshed pretty well with Nathaniel Hackett. One of my biggest problems here isn't his fault. It's the fact that I don't know what the success is. Is it Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers? Is it Matt LaFleur being Matt LaFleur, some combination, and what is Hackett actually doing there? Or is he just riding the coattails of you know, a solid head coach and, you know, arguably the top, if not second best quarterback currently in the league. Um, You know, he's definitely getting a lot out of that offense, but at the same time, I mean, when you have a wide receiver as dynamic as Devontae Adams and a running back, two running backs, really, when you add in Dylan now, um, that run the ball as well as they do, you can get away with having lesser tight end and wide receiver options in there. So there's just too much unknown for me there to really stake my claim and say, hey, this is who I want to be grooming Justin Fields and trying to rebuild this offense. And I feel like in an interview, he can easily point to himself as like, this is the reason for the success. But, you know, with someone like Aaron Rodgers, even the duo between Rodgers and Devontae Adams, which is almost unstoppable in of itself, it's like you said, I was also finding it a little hard pressed to find the selling point here. And I feel like you bring someone from Green Bay who's, quote, promising, I feel like you just get burned here in Chicago with something uh, along those lines. It's usually the other way around. People go to Chicago, from Chicago to Green Bay, end up being fine. I don't know all too many times that the reverse has been the same. Yeah, exactly. It's just too murky right now, and we're in too sensitive of a position to, to take a chance on something like that. That's a kind way to put it, Mason. Who's next? This one might be one that people don't agree with. My next one out and the last one in this getting there, I can live with it, but I wouldn't love it here, is Brian Dable, Bill's offensive coordinator. So he worked in, has been in the NFL since 2000 and served as an offensive coordinator for Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, and now Buffalo Bills. He won a national title with Alabama in 2017 and has overseen the development of pro, you know, bowl quarterback Josh Allen, who has had back-to-back top five offenses. So, you know, you could talk about how great that he has been uh, this year. If you look at some of those numbers in terms of, of rankings, right, they're ranked number one this year in points, number two the year before, ranked six this year in yards, uh, two the year before. And then when you look at some of the quarterbacks that he had to deal with before, they're not great. <laughs> Brady Quinn, Matt Moore, Chad Henney in, in Miami, and then Matt Castle in Kansas City. Uh, you could also flip it the other way where you say, well, you have this, to trying to put it nicely, this freak of nature in terms of Josh Allen, who is this unicorn player, and could a lot of offensive coordinators do well with that. The problem for me is twofold. One, if you look at his previous stops also, just in that ranking, it's just so bad. Like, here's some of the numbers in order from his points per game when between the Browns and the Chiefs. 29th ranked, 31st ranked, 20th ranked, 32nd ranked. In terms of yards, 32nd, 29, 22, 24. That's pretty abysmal. And when you look at it from that perspective. Now, I mean, he's got a really good tree. His offense looks solid. You know, he's learned from some really great coaches. Like, there's the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels connections from his time with the Patriots, things of that nature. So, I'm a big Josh McDaniels guy. Honestly, he would have been in my number one category here. But 
he's not taking interviews and the you know Bears haven't really asked apparently so that's not happening so could you get McDaniels light and also a person that didn't run out on the Colts which would be a positive of course uh, but when you just look at the whole history and focus on just what has happened that's questionable for me I don't like that I want a little more success I want more success with less and he's got you know some solid weapons to to use in that Bills offense Wow, this one is a surprising one, kind of like Nick earlier uh, with Omar. This one caught me a little off guard, which is why we're doing this exercise. Nick, anything you wanted to add over here? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised about this one, Mason. Um, Brian Dable, for me, I kind of liked what he, one, he got a really good year out of um, Tua in Alabama, so you know that he can work with you know a variety of quarterbacks. But what I kind of like about Dable is that yes he was at new england obviously with under bill belichick and that great just organization that they have there alabama nick saban but brian dable did was like hey let me get out of here let me get out and kind of venture on to my own thing go to the buffalo bills and now you see josh allen and again is is josh allen a byproduct of dable's system will josh allen succeed despite dable I, I i don't know if we can prove either either one but that's what I kind of kind of liked about him. He took a chance on himself to know that, hey, I can succeed despite being in one of these top organizations. And I don't know, like Peter Schrager was also saying, like I mentioned earlier with Joe Shane, for the it was a Giants podcast. Like if you get Joe Shane, do you also get Brian Dable as a pairing? And again, you don't have to go through having to get to know a guy. You know how they work. You know how they, you know all these little intricacies there. And like that's that would be I think a appealing attraction, but. Yeah, Brian Dable, that's an interesting one. I'm curious to see who you got in the the top three here. Yeah, let's uh, pull back the curtain just a little bit more. Mason, who's number three? Number three uh, on my list uh, is going to be Byron Leftwich, Bucks offensive coordinator. Played quarterback in the NFL for a decade, right? Has now gotten three straight top five offenses with two different quarterbacks and Jameis Winston and Tom Brady. And he's... He led a top five offense with Jameis Winston back in 2019. And we got to remember, this was also, you know, I'm going to let's eat a W, Jameis, not like slightly more mature on the Saints, Jameis. So that's a a big deal. And, you know, you're going to have that question, of course. Well, how much of it is Bruce Arians and how much of it is just having Tom Brady? But like I said, he also had a top offense with Jameis Winston. Uh, They were ranked third in points, third in yards, first in passing yards with him there. Uh, when Tom Brady got there, yes, you know, that the numbers were pretty consistent. Third in points in 2020, first in points in 2021, similar trends for yards, pass, passing yards, everything of that nature. Um, the thing that kind of stinks with him that's hard is, could he build a really good staff? Because he hasn't had a lot of stops, right? I mean, he was a quarterback, then he was in Arizona as, as an intern, QB coach, slash offense coordinator in that final 2018 year. Is there enough really that he could build like a good defensive staff around him, other offensive people to, to build on that? Um, if you look at some of the other positives from him, he's also stuck with like the trends of the league when you really break down that offense. It's not stuck in the old, you know, arc, um, old stuff. There's a good mix of zone and gap run concepts, which would really help out David Montgomery because uh, right now it's very one note when you look at that run game. He's got a pretty solid deep downfield passing attack. And there's some solid leadership traits there. I mean, again, he was a quarterback and a solid one. I remember having him on a couple of fantasy teams. It wasn't like he was, you know, the third stringer. In terms of the cons, can he do it without Brady? 
there's a lack of play action usage that I don't really love. Um, especially like when he had a rookie quarterback, he, there was a really, and with a run percentage and Josh Rosen, like he just, there wasn't a lot of help there, which is concerning. And lastly, just inability to find that constant ground game success with even like with before Tom Brady got there. And it seemed like that changed it a lot. So did he learn with Tom Brady getting there or did Tom just say, Hey, look, I'm changing this. And would he continue doing that? Wow. We're getting into specific play calling. And I like that minute level of details uh, that you're all bringing to the table here. Uh, Byron Leftwich is, uh, I think you summed him up brilliantly there, Mason, very similar to where I'm at, uh, just about his recent success. Is it you know, not just Brady. I mean, he has a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Can he do the same with lesser talent uh, or at least make what we have currently uh, with a couple of weeks that we'll have this offseason and turn it into a top, hopefully, what, 15, top 10 offense? Is that possible? I don't know. I've heard really good things about his leadership uh, as well. And, you know, he was a real good leader in Jacksonville. And uh, Bruce Arians pumping him up and kind of, what, reprimanding the league a little bit last year because he didn't get any interviews. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, a good thing or not uh, because I also feel like Andy Reid does the same thing with his tree, and it's been very hit or miss. So uh, since Leftwich is off the table, that leaves just a couple more. Who's number two? So this is, you can tell from my last two, I have bucked the trend that you had that you had thought I was doing there. And I kind of surprised myself a little bit with this. Um, my number two is Matt Eberflus, Colts defensive coordinator. You know, he's been coaching the NFL since 2009, where he served as a linebacker coach for the Browns and then, you know, and Dallas Cowboys before becoming the Colts defensive coordinator in 2018. He's quietly been one of the best defense coordinators in the league and had a top 10 unit in three of his four seasons. Comes across as pre-disciplined when you get to actually hear him talk in interviews and some of like the youtube stuff that he does it just sounds like he teaches really well which is nice and he actually did an interview uh last year for the jets and texans shop so he's clearly already been sought after and you look at those ranks like we just kind of talked about like turnover percents which has been an issue this year for the bears he was ranked second this year and third in 2020 um in terms of the points allowed ranked 11th this year 10th year before that and just those trends continue. You look at a lot of those defensive numbers. One of the biggest things is player development, right? We, we haven't seen a ton of player development here in Chicago. You have guys like Darius Leonard. I mean, that just jumps off the page at you. Anthony Hitchens is pretty fantastic. Damian Wilson, Julian Blackman. These are all really good players that have just stepped up. Rockus in is a solid safety. It's not somebody's going to blow you up the doors off it, but he's, I mean, he's going to get the job done. Um, and also, he's, he's able to develop that mid to late round talent because a lot of those guys were not first, second, third round picks. So we can continue that trend here in Chicago that has been happening where a lot of the mid round picks have worked out. Something that's also not usually heavily taken into consideration is he has a pretty extensive coaching tree that I think he can lean on just because he's been in the league for a while. And that's going to be really important when he's got to be picking a offensive coordinator because, you know, he's a defensive guy who you going to have playing Justin Fields. So, you know, one of the guys, Wes Phillips, passing coordinator for the Rams, he's had been on a team with a couple times. Bill Callahan, offensive line coach for the Browns, who's been a head coach, offensive coordinator, things of that nature. So there's just a lot of guys that you could pull and you'd feel comfortable filling, being able to fill that out. On the negative side, you know, hiring a defensive mind and just simply an offensive league. We touched on that. That is still ultimately a concern for me. Mm-hmm. Um, limited direct coaching network on that defensive side of the ball. And then... He's got this bend but don't break defensive scheme, which, you know, you, you can see that as a pro or a con, but I, 
I'm okay with it, but at the same time, like it, it can get tough in those close games when you're playing like that. All right, that leads us down to uh, number one. By the way, I uh, the person who I coached middle school football with last year, big Colts fan, and I asked him about Matt, and he said, "Take him." <laughs> I was like, well, "Why?" Like that <laughs> concerns me, and he said uh, his mentality when they play with the lead is a little bit soft. Uh, he doesn't like that, and that's something that feels Pagano-esque, which may not you know rub or sit well with uh, a lot of Bears fans. So just want to at least throw in that little, I'm not going to call it an inside scoop, but at least uh, you know a temperature check from someone that's paying attention to the Colts team, uh, much more so than all three of us here probably uh, combined. Uh, I'll digress here because, Mason, you have one coach left, which is Brian Flores. He is your number one candidate here, uh, one of the uh, most recent, I guess, available uh, player uh, coaches for uh, the Bears here for this head coaching position. So uh, lay it on me. Sell me Brian Flores to the Chicago Bears. And Brian Flores is going to have to do a lot of selling himself because we know that there, there's some pros and there's some cons here. There's some concerns here. But when you really look at him, right, he had three years with the Dolphins. That's it. And overall had a 24 and 25 record, which if you really look at it, I think that's a big accomplishment. Like that first season was really set up to, to fail. I mean, that was the whole tank for two a year. Like it was literally, they were selling off pieces left and right. You know, it was, they were supposed to lose. And they actually ended up you know, with a 5-11 and 11 record, which is better than you would think. Second year ended up at 10-6, and six, which overall, again, with the pieces around, pretty pretty impressive. Now then you get to this year, start off 0-7, but then they went on that seven-game win streak, which sounds Matt Nagy-esque, which I know yep. that it would turn off a lot of people. Um, but that wasn't something you saw consistently. That was just that one year. So that would be what I would say would, would help out a little bit. Uh, defensive guy, of course, and when you look at the rankings of his defense, especially when you consider some of the players on that team, overall, pretty good, right? I mean, like in 2020, we would say that that's the best year. Uh, defense ranked sixth, sixth in points. This year, which is kind of middle of the road, ranked 16th, so right in the middle of the road, like pretty much literally. <laughs> but when you look at some of the players that were on this team, there's not a lot of standout, standout names outside of corner uh, with Xavier Howard. You know, the leader in tackles was Jerome Baker. He's not exactly a, a household name. When you talk about leaders in some of the other categories, like in sacks, you have a guy like also Jerome Baker. Christian Wilkins is the number two on that list with four and a half sacks. Or excuse me, flip that list. Yeah, later was Emmanuel Ogba with nine sacks and then Jalen Phillips with eight and a half sacks. So you're you're getting production out of these guys that aren't really super well known. The negatives on it, and there are plenty, right? You're hearing all this stuff come out currently about how He's hard to work with that, you know, there's a lot of contention there that little things like he'd be walking down the hallway and he would treat player A starter differently than player B reserve. He'd be nicer to that starter. He would, wouldn't give the time of day to do that reserve. The timing of the information coming out is tough because the Dolphins did have this surprise firing there. So how much of it's legit, how much is not. And that's where it is going to be really, really important for him to sell himself to the Bears. But he won a good amount with so little that just to me, he's a winner. He can he can get people to rally around. And when you actually heard from the players, most of the outcry was was sad. They were upset that he was let go. It wasn't like this big relief that was occurring. Um, he is going to just like I was talking about earlier. He's going to have to find a good offensive coordinator. He shouldn't touch the offense. 
he had, I believe it was five different offensive coordinators when he was there. There was even that weird co-offensive coordinator year where they had George Godsey and Eric Studsville. You know, every ship has two captains, of course. Why would you not do that? <laughs> uh, so that is that is worrisome. But to me, this is a this is a swing for the fences higher. Either you're going to strike out or it's going to be a home run. And just if you pair him with the right GM, this could be that home run. And I think that's the biggest thing is that GM is going to have to be the one that says, hey, look, this is the offensive coordinator that I think it would work. Here's the team that we're going to put together. Da, 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 da. And hey, you just lead the team, Brian, be the be the, you know, the captain of the team in, in that sense and do the defense. Ah, Man, it's such an interesting candidate uh, I think Nick's feeling very similar to me at least like there's so much that sells me on him uh, I love that tough nose kind of attitude uh, the fact that he can command the respect uh, of a locker room he's a leader uh, of men he's not going to take any BS from anybody it's kind of like his way like we're going to play you know Brian Flores way or the Chicago Bears way you know if he's here like I don't think the Bears would be lacking in identity, uh, which is something that's great, at least defensively. Offensively, that may be uh, a different story. I just have a hard time thinking the fact that he would just you know, come to Chicago, then he can figure out the offensive side that quickly. That's my only, I guess, concern uh, when it comes to Brian Flores right now. Can he get that offensive staff in place? And you could lean on the GM a bit, um, but also I feel like Brian Flores, again, wants to do things the way that he wants to, at least based off of know everything that's been kind of written down there in Miami uh, throughout the week Nick you want to chime in with anything here I'll just say that the Bears obviously got a good look at Brian Flores this summer when they had the joint practices seeing Mm -hmm. how he operated his you know practices kind of went about it and so the Bears would have you know a head start and that's why he's what I think supposed to do is it tomorrow supposed to get his interview um, for Brian Flores Yep. So uh, that makes sense that he's doing it right now. I'm reading uh, just an article here. Apparently, he went on an F-bomb-filled meltdown with uh, Tua Tungavailoa, and then Tua claimed that Flores doesn't know how to talk to people. And again, it's just coming out at the wrong time. Like, we've seen this. We saw it happen to Justin Fields, right? All this stuff happening at the worst opportune time when the draft's about to happen. Like, who knows what is real, what is fake. But I, I would say this. You don't just disregard it. But you do you like in the in the interview process that they'll have tomorrow the Bears with Brian Flores like what happened? Give us your side of the story. There's two sides of it, and they'll obviously get down to it. But he is an interesting candidate, and you know I do like that attitude that he would bring. I think it would mesh really well with Justin Fields to be completely honest. How he kind of approaches things and what he can bring to this team. But uh, I like I like Mason's list though. Overall, I, I am I do like the top three. I, I'm a little higher on Brian Dable than maybe the Mason is at this point, but overall, I can I can live with that. Who's your number one, Nick? For head coach, ooh, that's a I haven't. Oh, really we're not gonna announce our pairings. Well, we're gonna get there. I just wanted to give each of you an opportunity, real quick, to kind of you know give me your number one of the opposing. And I know you didn't do as much research into the other position, just due to how we approach this episode. But if you had a gut feeling, who's your number one and why? And, Nick, I'm still going to go to you for the head coach. Uh, I, you know, just right now, I'm going to go Brian Dable for, for my number one guy. I kind of have um, Matt Eberflus would be like a, a close second. But as of right now, not doing as much homework as I will end up doing, I'll go Brian Dable as my number one candidate 
Again, no no real research was done into that. That's just kind of gut reaction. Yep. That's what we're doing here. Mason, how about you? Who's your gut feeling in terms of like your number one candidate at GM? So, man, and this was tough. I literally, you know, was texting you guys earlier and I said, hey, I'm glad Nick has the GMs because I'm so, like the top three for me are so close. Like, and even like the top two even more so. Like the top two for me are Ed Dodds and Rick Smith. For two different reasons, Rick Smith just being that over. I mean, he's been doing. He's done it for a while. You know, he knows the lay of the land. He would literally be like the president of the team in a way, just because that's really what he. That's basically what he got to when he was in Houston. Versus Ed Dodds, you know, a little on the younger side, and seems hungry, seems intense, and I think that's kind of why I would go with him because I, would, because of that ability that coming up in the Colts organization under Ballard. No, they're not perfect, but they've done a lot of really good stuff with the Colts. Just the mentality he has and the way he's talked to his staff and the team, the clips I got to see regarding how he approached uh, like the senior bowl and the combine. That's just the, the way he does that as a kind of person that I would like leading my team and also would lead into that head coach decision. I was kind of making where I think they would mesh well. All right. Well, we've kind of done a great job and I'm so pleased with how this podcast has been turning out because not only do we give our opinions on like who should the Bears target and why, but you all did such a great job of sharing the background of each and every one of these candidates. And, you know, we like to make our listeners the most informed Chicago Bears fans. I think we really adhered uh, to that goal here today. Uh, so let's look at some pairings. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily need to stick with you know each of your top three and determine what the best pairings would be, but to me that would make at least a little bit of sense here today. Uh, the, and I know we have, what, uh, two guys from Indy and two guys from Buffalo, at least if you look at uh, Nick's number one uh, over there for coaching. But out of everyone that we discussed here today, Nick, I'll go over to you first. Do you have a, a pairing that you think could just be like the grand slam of all kind of combinations? Well, I think of it for practical reasons, like Joe Shane and Brian Dable, like both coming from the same organization, bringing their philosophies, what they brought in terms of culture at Buffalo and to Chicago. It just eliminates a lot of getting, the getting to know you period, right? You can just kind of go into let's work to make this right. And I think that's valuable for, you know, an off season that's going to go really quickly. Like the senior bowl is the first week of February. Every single NFL team is going to be down there and you're still trying to feel somebody out. Yes. That, that could be a realistic scenario that the bears do have. That could definitely happen, but man, wouldn't it be nice? They both know each other and obviously know how each one operates. Let's, let's get down to mobile Alabama and get to work like that. I think could be definitely a slam dunk kind of pairing. Uh, for me personally, but uh, if it's not that way, like if I had to go, maybe it's like a, it, maybe it's Joe Shane and like Eberflus, like obviously um, a little bit different there, obviously two different teams, but I think it would be pretty interesting if you did get the same, a GM and a head coach from one organization, just brought them over to another one. It, just because it again, eliminates a lot of the, the other stuff that you have to do in terms of getting to know each other. I feel like it would put the Bears on a faster track uh, than some of these other teams that are going through uh, front office and head coach changes as well. And, you know, kind of like the express lane uh, a bit and yeah. kind of get it started. I, so I understand uh, that mindset uh, 100%, honestly. Uh, Mason, over to you uh, for Flores, since he was your number one coach. 
who would be the ideal GM pairing? Who could work with him and have a good relationship that would just benefit uh, the Bears to the best of their abilities? So I think one of the reasons it did not end up working out in Miami was that relationship of Brian Flores to, to Will Greer. And Greer is talked about as a very soft-spoken individual uh, that, you know, he wants it to be his way, but at the same time, it's, he's not very assertive with the, with the things he wants. Um, and I think that might be hard for someone like a Brian Flores to to respect, honestly. And, you know, coming up from that Bill Belichick tree, and this isn't the first time we've heard of uh, Bill Belichick disciples kind of walking in somewhere, kicking in the door and saying, my way or the highway, because everyone wants to be Bill. But you, you know, you have to earn being Bill. And so with that, I feel like he needs someone that he can really respect, has a, will have a strong hand, will be able to walk in and command the presence of room and say, hey, no, look, hey, Brian, this is how we should be handling this, this aspect of it. Like I said, if you got the defense, like lead your team, you got the defense, but like maybe this offensive side, like this is what we got to do. This is the trend that needs to be going on because this is what we're seeing. And that screams Ed Dodds to me. He's just a guy that is, again, that just like we said about Brian Flores, hard-nosed worker, um, just that if there's an intensity to him, I can just picture it now, them having bench-offs before, you know, practice starts. And whoever wins the bench-off, that's, you know, who who's going to get to pick that draft pick. I mean, I'm kidding, of course. It's a terrible way to pick a draft pick. But you get what I'm saying. There's like that would There would just be this mutual respect and intensity there that just matches with Chicago really well. The set you could potentially get away with the Rick Smith, but the concern there is as far as he's been away for a while, is that hunger still there, right? I mean, like you got to put in a lot of time, a lot of hours in terms of that GM president role. Is that someone, something that a Brian Flores would try to steamroll over? And that's maybe that's not a good, uh, a good note to put in Brian Flores cap, but that would be my concern there. All right, Nick, any other pairings that are kind of intriguing to you uh, at this point? Uh, this one, I'm looking at it, you know, I wonder if it was like a Byron Leftwich, you know, a uh, young up-and-coming offensive mind. Would it be like a Dodds as a really good fit for him? Would it be, uh, you know, going back up through my list, the guy from Buffalo, Sean? Chain, chain, chain. See, got it, I got it. Got it, got it. I have to, like, delete that one from my notes. Um, but anywho, uh, any other input that you want to put on the pairings? And that's pretty much it for the episode after that. What if I just did one, like, obviously Omar Khan was not a guy that made my top three, but he's been in Pittsburgh for so long. It gets paired up with a a coach that's also been in the league for, for forever, like Todd Bowles or something like that. I don't know. Maybe just someone that, again, has a lot of football background in terms of being within one organization for a while in Khan, and then Todd Bowles has been... Uh, you know, I, what we didn't mention about Todd Bowles, Mason, he won 10 games with freaking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I give you respect with that for the Jets. Like, that, I, that, that, takes, that takes a lot. Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than we give him credit for. I mean, he's been in the league for about 222 years. Like, he's, he's around for a reason. It's a beard. It's a, like we were talking about um, for, I'm blanking on his name, Ron Carthen, right? It's a beard that yeah. does it. See, when you look at, you know, Bulls in New York, didn't he also have Josh McCown for a short stint? He may have, right? I think that was the time, yeah. And he wasn't getting, you know, things out of McCown that, you know, we're getting with, like, Mark Tressman. So, hmm. Uh, Food for thought. Mark. Just speaking of Mark Tressman, remember, the Bears also interviewed Bruce Arians. So this can all go wrong, you guys. Just kind of putting that out there. 
it doesn't it feel like if they do go with like a bulls or a left witch that you're getting you know you're going to the arians tree uh which feels like you know a few years too late almost and i know these are we different coaches trying to make up for it yeah like you're really like okay this is my mistake what's the best way to go and combat that years later and then you're like all right i'll take the next what i hope is the next best thing which is someone right under his tutelage uh, because we sure to hired him uh, the first time it's interesting how the nfl world can be you know so large yet so small uh, at the end of the day no for sure like all these guys are you know like a lot of them are connected somehow through these coaching trees where they learn and what they take from them and make their own but the best you know the more the successful ones will not only just take what they've learned but evolve it to what is best for their teams what's best for them in their current situation and that's what the bears have to figure out in these these interviews over the next days and hopefully we get something next week right i would think for a gm mm-hmm. you know yeah. like the, I, we need to get this ball rolling because uh, obviously the texans are now looking for a head coach with their their firing face so they're these these people are that we all mention are eventually going to get hired and then that's going to limit our list to see who potentially could be the next gm and head coach for the chicago bears yeah, the last thing that the Bears need to allow to happen is have a top guy in mind, and then he gets poached by another team because we're moving too slowly. And again, that goes back to the question we posed earlier. Like, if you have a guy, like, this is my coach, but you don't have that GM settled yet, but you know, like, this is my number one guy, do you do it? And I still say no, but you could potentially miss out on, you know, the coach of the class, if that makes sense. For sure. Real quickly, uh, Alfredo, going to answer your question about Jim Harbaugh. Not he's he obviously hasn't gotten interviewed about um, with the Bears, but you know I spoke to someone who knows a little bit about college football, and there's a good chance he's not coming to Chicago. And also, I think they just signed some defensive guy there in Michigan. I think um, I think Jim Harbaugh's set in in the college ranks, but obviously he has the Bears tie, and you know maybe George McCaskey would value that like with um ireland right maybe that's why he's gonna get the interview that he does but yeah no uh i don't think jim harbaugh's uh one of the guys quick uh quick question for you guys why why does the gm need to be hired first i believe that the gm should be hired first because the person who's in charge of selecting players and the personnel on this team should have a head coach that they believe can get the most out of that talent and the same shared vision. Yeah, for me, why I think the GM, I think he has such a, his fingerprints are literally going to be on everything. And if you have a, and it would be nice for him to actually be in the evaluation process for the coach that's going to be working with him, you know, on a consistent basis. Like we know how Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were glued to the hip. Like, you obviously want to literally. have somebody. <laughs> literally. And now they're both out the door. But you want someone, obviously, that can work with that guy. And not to say that if you hire one over the other first that they won't be able to do that. But I think just having that, that maybe, you know what it could do for the Bears, not that they've said this, but it would be nice if you hired the GM. Ted Phillips out of the guy is one of the guys that evaluates um you know these candidates because i i would think if you have the gm why does he need to be there but again that's nothing that they've talked about it just would make sense in my mind but yeah yeah just a little bit anything else guys any other questions that kind of came to mind that you want to discuss here at the end of the show 
Uh, you, the, the only other thing I would throw out there, and I, I mentioned this briefly at the top, is make is factoring in the inclusion of, like I said, Tanisha Wade and Sue Campbell, factoring in how important it is for I think the McCaskies to in terms of how they're hiring and who they're hiring, and then factoring in literally right now there is one black head coach. Um, I would be very surprised if one of the candidates, whether it's GM or a head coach, are not a minority of some kind. You know, not to say that that's going to be a driving reason, but if there's like two people who are like head to head or something of that name, it would just be very, very surprising based off of the trends that are currently going and the, the, the what they've talked about literally at Hell's Hall. Interesting perspective and point on that, honestly. Uh, I hope it's the best person or people for each of the positions, regardless. Um, but you do bring a valid point about you know, the committee, the current standing in the NFL, and the entire league trying to kind of write that a little bit. So it could be something that is leaned one way just a little bit. Nick, any input on that or anything else? We're just having fun with some like off-script discussion, and it's kind of fun. No, it definitely is. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I think, like, I wonder if, like, Champ Kelly is getting, obviously, the interview with the Bears because in-house and this kind of little off topic, but, you know, the rule that's in place where it kind of just feels like it's, you're just doing it to satisfy the rules needs, right? Like, and that's that's a problem. And that's why there is only Mike Tomlin right now, the only black head coach. And, and you know, there's obviously far better candidates. There are candidates that are definitely deserving of jobs where, you know, Brian Flores was just fired after three years. And there are a lot of coaches that have maybe or that have been fired or could be fired that maybe have a longer leash, in my opinion. But it's yeah, it's a it's a it's definitely not a. It's something that needs to be worked on. Let's just look say at the that Texas sure. head coach. He got fired after one year, like, and actually probably overperformed. He got Davis Mills looking for actually solid, <laughs> and then he got he got fired, and also he got fired late in the process. Like, if you're gonna let him go, let him go on Monday. Yeah, no, it didn't make much sense there, and that's probably part of the problem. All right, so I do see a couple more questions in the chat about timeline, and I know earlier Nick we kind of mentioned, although briefly. You know, around this time next week, maybe next Friday is like when we're hoping that we should at least know something when it comes to one of these positions, specifically general managers. So my true and false uh, for you guys, if I want to throw that out, would be we will know who the Bears are hiring for both positions within 12 days from now. Is that true or is that false? True. Uh, I think that, honestly, I think the GM's going to be decided probably like, I would say Tuesday at the latest. Uh, I think they're going to get it down to like three, four people. Because right now, I'm pretty sure they're all the one-hour Zooms. Get those last people in over the weekend, Monday, Tuesday, and and get that decision made. Because like we've just been saying this whole show, you got to get on this. Because if you are fighting for a Brian Flores who just got asked, you know, to interview by the Texans, if you're trying to go after, you know, maybe a uh, Brian Dable that that Nick and that Nick likes because he's going to be in high demand, et cetera, et cetera, you got to get on this thing. So. I would say definitely true for your question and GM by, I still think Tuesday the latest. They better hurry up because I know there's not even scheduled interviews yet for Miracle Brown. Uh, let's see, Ed Dodds is still to be announced. Uh, so let's see, Duff Ireland's is tomorrow. Uh, Rick Smith hasn't had one officially scheduled as of at least the last time I was looking into this before the show. Uh, Shane is to be announced. Same thing with Wolf. 
con. So yeah, they will need to like move quickly uh, for that time frame. Uh, the only one I see here is through Friday, and then I don't see any coming over the weekend or anything early next week uh, with any of those guys. And most of the guys that are scheduled to interview already have interviewed, didn't even make Nick's top cut. So obviously, they're not even real contenders. <laughs> Clearly. I was looking when the Bears uh, hired Ryan Pace just to see, and obviously that was 2015. But the Bears had their last game on December 28th of the 2014, uh, 2014 season. And then they hired Ryan Pace. They interviewed him on January 7th, and he was hired on January 8th. So December 28th, last game. Just, uh, January 8th, they had a new general manager. So it was pretty quick process for the last time they had to do this. So I would, yeah, like within the next 12 days, I would hope, you know, they have, I would hope they have the general manager at least, you know, solidified, but, you know, it'd be nice if we can see when these next confirmed, um, you know, interviews are so that we can get this process rolling. I absolutely agreed. I would hope within a two week span from recording this episode, uh, we know both positions, maybe even some uh, potential staff hirings underneath. Uh, so we can kind of get a bigger idea of the overall structure uh, that we'll be seeing unfold here in Chicago. But I think I'm going to call that an episode. Uh, so I just want to thank everyone who's tuned in here uh, to the live uh, video. The chat was lit uh, here tonight. You can tell Bears fans are excited uh, about this offseason. Uh, again, I thought both you, Nick, and Mason did a great job of breaking down not just the candidates that you like the most, but giving a really strong background uh, to each and every one of them. So I know I learned some of the items, and so if I'm learning stuff, I know our listeners uh, must be uh, as well. But as I said earlier in the show, you know, a new era of Bears football is officially upon us, and soon we're going to know who's going to be in charge of making this team one uh, worth watching and perhaps and ideally one that can contend. Uh, we all may have some slightly different opinions on who the Bears should bring aboard, uh, but we're all hoping that they make the right decisions, and at the end of the day, that's really all that we can wish for. Uh, if any breaking news does happen in the upcoming days, uh, you better believe if the Bears make a decision of who they're hiring, either GM or head coach, uh, we'll be back here uh, as soon as we can after the fact to break it down and discuss it in full. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.